Well, thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. And so I would just like to start out by saying that I just in 2017 is when I, I wrote my book called Driving Into Infinity, Living With My Brother's Spirit. But the information I'm getting ready to provide about what happened, um, this all took place in 1983. And the experience that I had and a lot of these after effects in the ensuing years, uh, these were not things that I talked about or shared with people. I was a businesswoman, a uh, long career, and you know, I had a couple of really close friends that, I, that told I told a few things to. And um, but other than that, once I retired a couple of years ago, I suddenly knew that it was time to share this story. And so that's how that came about. Um, but, you know, I, I also want to mention up front before I get into, you know, what happened that um, so that people know ahead of time. I did develop not too very long ago uh, what I call meld into spirit technique uh, or mist. And I developed this into this free video. And it's only 45 minutes long. And within that video, there's a video clip that is a visualization. And it's only about a minute and 15 seconds or so. Uh, but I take people through this visualization. It's meant to be done with your eyes open, like if you're out walking around in a park or even just in your house. Um, and it's, it's really meant to enable people to connect uh, with spirit in an easier way with their eyes open and, you know, almost like you're just talking to spirit. Finally, so a technique. <laughs> yes. And, and I just wanted to uh, say that up front because, you know, meditation is great. There's nothing wrong with it. But I wanted something that was a visualization that you did when you ha can have your eyes open and be doing something, uh, or like I said, out in the park, or you know, you can do it even if you're sitting in your house. But uh, anyhow, that's on YouTube. You can find it under Meld into Spirit Technique. But it's also on my website, on in the blog section. Uh, there's a link to that there, and that website is uh, just. Um, paulalinsauthor.com. But now to get to exactly what happened to me, you know, journeying back into the past here, um, I'm going to start out with year 1982 because that year I began to have this recurring dream. And I was 29 years old at the time. I was 30 at the time of uh, my brother's death. But um, this recurring dream was always the same. And I was outside on these exp expansive fields. And there was always a large crowd of people that had gathered there. And I, I was part of this crowd. And someone near me asked me what was happening. And I replied that I heard that it was the end of the world. And everyone was looking up at the sky 
and there appeared Jesus. And in that moment when that happened in this dream, I doubled over, almost falling down to the ground. And I was just experiencing the worst pain of like suffering and agony that I had ever known. Anxiety. And then the dream would, yeah. And then the dream would just end suddenly. And I had this dream, you know, several times in the, the coming months. And I, at the end of the dream also, I said, but it isn't supposed to be this way. I thought that the end of the world was supposed to be joyous. Um, but again, I had this dream over and over again. So fast forward into the year 19, um, 1983 and to the morning of Friday, October the 7th. And so that morning I was driving my husband to work, dropping him off. We were going down to this uh, festival uh, near downtown Houston. So I was dropping him off. He was coming later with friends. I was going on to meet my friends that morning. Uh, but as I was driving him um, to his job, I, I suddenly had this very strange, sharp pain in my chest, like over my heart area. And I happened to glance at the clock since I was trying to get him to work and it, and it showed nine o'clock that morning. And so, you know, this pain lasted a little bit. I didn't say anything to my husband about it, um, but eventually it, it started to fade away. I dropped him off at work. And then after that, I, I went on down to the Greek festival that's held there in Houston. And uh, Michael was going to, as I said, come down later. But I was there at the festival and we had gone inside where you get lunch. There were huge crowds there uh, by that time. And uh, sooner than expected, I looked out across the crowd and I saw my husband making his way toward me. And I thought, oh, well, great. He's able to get away and join us early. But when he got close to me, I took one look at his face. I'd never seen him look like that before. And I knew that something was horribly wrong and he came up to me and put his hands on my arms and looked me right in the eyes and he said Donnie was killed in an accident this morning uh, Donnie being of course my brother who was four years younger than me and you know when he told me this it was as though all I could see in front of me was the earth just falling 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 in front of my eyes and just crashing at my feet. I, I slumped over to the ground and I just screamed, no, no, no. And, you know, but that day I understood what that, that recurring dream uh, was conveying to me because the setting was this Greek festival. You know, this was, the dream was like I was outside in this crowd. Um, and then, of course, my emotional reaction to the news of his death. So this was actually a precognitive. The end of the world. Yes, it was the end of the world for me. Um, there's just no other way to describe it for me, how uh, having my brother be 
killed like that just it was just the end for me and of course our whole family was just destroyed but you know i i felt like i i didn't know that a human being could cry so many tears i just didn't know it was even possible but if you'll allow me just to read one paragraph from my book um i wrote every moment was sheer agony during those days with no words to adequately describe a broken heart. Nothing made sense and everything about life was dark. I barely slept. I moved in a daze. I wanted to die every day. This terrible impenetrable wall now separated me from ever having contact with my beloved brother again. How do you process that fact and integrate it into your life? I could not. And at the burial site, I wondered how I could possibly continue living after this. And, you know, one of the reasons I wrote my book was to reach out and help people who experience the kind of grief and sadness that my family did. But so three days after, um, the funeral, my brother, Donnie, came back to me while I was driving. I was in my hometown. Uh, I lived in Houston, but I was back in Bryan. I was staying on to help my parents with flowers and things like that. But and he died in a car, I, correct? He did. He was in a company truck and uh, he died in a car crash. So that day, um, I wanted, I decided I wanted to take some funeral flowers to my grandparents, but the, the only car I had access to during that week that I stayed there was my brother's personal little truck because my husband had to go back to Houston and I was left there. So I was driving my brother's small personal truck. And when I headed out to my grandparents taking these flowers, and that's when I had this life-changing experience happen to me. Um, my life was just never the same after this, but as far as my understanding of things, but about halfway there to my grandparents, I suddenly developed 360 degree vision. As I'm driving, I can suddenly see everything around me. And I just didn't know what was happening to me. But then I saw at my right shoulder as I'm driving my brother. Uh, now he looked like a pattern of lights to me, but I knew that it was him. And um, he telepathically began talking to me. And he told me not to be sad, that he was happy. And most of all, he wanted me to know uh, a little bit of what like was, life was like for him now. And uh, he, he explained to me that he was on, he, he termed it another plane of being, and that it had simply been time for him to leave. So at this point, I became aware that I was no longer in my body, but existed only in what I'll say is like a state of consciousness. Um, I was no longer aware of driving at all. 
And instead I saw, I saw a landscape very briefly that was like almost in black and white uh, and outlines. But after that, my entire focus was on experiencing infinity and eternity. And throughout this experience, my brother stayed with me the whole time right at my right shoulder. And so in this state of being, you know, it was, again, it was like I could see I was out in the middle of the universe. And with no body restricting me, I, I felt I was completely one with the universe. And I was totally at one, one with peace, with love, and I was all knowledge in the universe. I was all of those things. And the phrase that came to me was uh, from the Bible, the peace that passes understanding. And so I... Peace surpasses the, the peace that passeth understanding. Passes. And that's Philippians 4 7 oh. uh, from the King James Bible. Mm. And that's how I felt. It was indescribable peace and love. And, but I, I, I wasn't just thinking about peace and love, I became all these things. And, and I knew from this experience, as I was having it, I knew that everything and everyone in the universe is one with spirit. You know, spirit is love. And that's what everything is. Uh, and that's what spirit is, this energy of love that is, you know, the, the universe. And that was what I was one with. But I, again, the understanding was so great because I was one with everything and I knew everything, all knowledge. It was just an unbelievable state of being. Uh, it's, it's really hard to describe that sense of being totally one um, with God or spirit or love, whatever you want to call that, and, and with this one with the universe and one with everything. And when you're in that state of oneness, you know everything that's ever happened. <laughs> and for people who may not understand, and I'm sure you didn't understand at the time this happened, um, hindsight, you know, we could have it, you know, at the time these things happened. Oh yeah, this happened because da, 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 da. We don't. But for maybe to help people process this is um, when I was 16 and I was kidnapped and raped, I was praying. I wasn't even on this earth. Then suddenly I was out in the night sky, just like behind you, only more black than blue. And I looked down and I seen earth and it was weightless, just like me. I thought how heavy the earth must yeah. be. And, I'm, and, and it's weightless, just like me. And what you're describing is classic near-death experience, the telepathic communication. Your brother is a being of light. You can see 360. And so people that might not be able to fit their head around, how did she have this while driving? She wasn't dead. It's not an NDE. What is she talking about? Like you just quoted from the Bible that the peace surpasses understanding. And that's yes. what we're talking about is things that surpass understanding. But there are, yes. there are ways to... For me to give you confirmation this, for you to give yourself, I'm sure, as time went by, because 
So continue. I just want to interject there. If anybody's having trouble wrapping their head around, like, what is this? Well, and, you know, it, it's a difficult concept for someone to get that whole feeling about it because it's not something as a human being we're accustomed to having. You know, we have this body that separates us from other people's, uh, you know, bodies. Uh, yes, sometimes we can feel their energies around us, but this was just so different. Because it's not a conversation have, you have while you're going through the checkout counter, <laughs> you know? Oh, I was just in a car wreck, or oh, I just got laid off, or oh, I just seen my dead brother as I was driving. We were like, now today, finishing me, oh, okay, I know what you're talking about, sister. You know what I mean? <laughs> but back then, it'd be like, um, 911 for aisle 12, please. <laughs> yeah, we got I mean, a mental health crisis. <laughs> this oneness that you experience, you, you just can't. I, I don't, I just don't think you can um, get that true feeling of that without having experienced it. But nevertheless, you know, that that's what I talk about in terms of being at one with with everything, including spirit, which is is love. And and you know, I just loved being in this state of of consciousness, this freedom. And I didn't care anything about going back to my body or my life. Um, you How know, you, this how long do you think it lasted? You know, it can't have lasted that long because I, this happened while I was driving. I do know that during the space of probably maybe, maybe a minute, you know, I was driving on this one road. And when I came back into my body, I had made a turn onto this other road that I needed to be on. So, and I knew I wasn't very far from where that turn was. So it wasn't very long. Um, it felt a lot longer when I was out of my body, but, uh, but because of, I was driving and I knew where I had been kind of when I went into that state, it couldn't have been very long. Um, but and, and we experience time warps too, when we have these experiences, whether it's a near death experience and someone feels like they were there an hour and they were dead a minute, you know, yes. so I can conceive exactly. where exactly there's no way really to truly measure uh, time when you're in that space. And, you know, um, I, I didn't I had no desire to leave this state of being, you know, I, I didn't care about going back to my body because this, this existence for me was home. Now I knew I wasn't like, as I said, I wasn't, I wasn't what, what I would term being in heaven. I was out in the middle of the universe. Mm -hmm. uh, but what happened was, you know, the longer I was in this state, um, I wanted to go deeper into this experience. Like I said, I didn't want to go back. And so when that happened, uh, I started feeling as though I was whooshing away really rapidly. I could hear the rushing sound. Now, again, my brother's still right there with me, but he exerted, I'll say, his energy on me in this state of being and it was almost like he was pushing me down uh, back into my physical form uh, and he told me as he was doing this he said no you can't go yet it's not your time and right after that very suddenly 
I could see myself coming back down into the truck, into my body. I could see myself coming back down into it. And I just felt like I landed back in my body with a thud almost. And then suddenly, you know, I was driving again and I wasn't very far from my grandparents' house. Um, and I just felt so happy and so at peace the rest of the day. But, you know, I didn't tell my grandparents anything about it. Were you I'm like, really, what was that? What? I, mean, I know. Or you I just accepted honestly, it. I was, I felt like I was in this uh, state of, of ecstasy. You know, I, I just, um, that's how it was the whole day. I get it. And uh, so, but, you know, after that, I fell back into deep grief for my brother because I, I missed him so much. And, and I knew I was never going to be able to do all these things in this lifetime with him ever again. So it's not like I stayed in this state of bliss that I had the day I, I had that experience. Um, but, you know, I took that experience and I had a lot of uh, different things happen to me after I returned home, uh, after having had all this kind of experience. That day, right after that? Is that well... No, it was it was a couple of several more days before I returned to Houston after that. Okay. I'm just curious. Did you tell everybody when you got to where you're going? I mean, like what this just I, happened? You kept it in. No, I this was I not it. something I shared yeah. for years. <laughs> okay. And, uh, At all. OK, uh, I, I think I just was uh, so much still contemplating it and I just didn't feel like trying to tell people about it um you know and and so you know eventually as I said I wrote my book and in that book I I did chronicle of course this experience but not only that once I returned home the thing that did start happening to me there was um had all these these different things that happened and and I know it was my brother there doing them in my house I mean I would uh for example this outreach from him I I saw him very briefly once in my living room and he was actually looking in our stereo cabinet because he had stayed with us one summer and he was always messing around with the stereo but it was just like a millisecond that I saw him um, but I would come home from work and I would find this one chair that he used to sit in that summer. He stayed with us. Um, that one chair in the dining room was always pulled out from the table. And I asked my husband about it at the time. I said, are you coming in here? We never hardly went in that dining room. And I said, are you coming in here and saying, now he's like, no, I haven't been in there in a long time. And then another time my husband and I were sitting in our TV room and there was this tall, there's a tall bookcase in there. And all of a sudden, uh, when we kept these videos up at the top, um, this is back in the 80s, of course. And one night, this video flew, flew out from the top of this bookcase and landed at our feet. Uh, and my husband and I both looked at each other like, what just happened here? But the, the thing of it was, when my brother stayed with us, then my husband, he and my husband, fooled around with the video. They would take these crazy videos. So I think that was a really a reaching out to my husband about that. Um, 
But another time I came home from work and this book was in the hallway and you could tell where this book had been. It was at the bottom most shelf of this um, built-in bookcase. And the book had flown out from the bottom most shelf and was across the hallway. And so, you know, it just had all different kinds of things like that that happened that told me my brother still wanted me to know that all was well with him. And he was kind of a jokester anyway. So it really wasn't uh, surprising he did these kind of things. You know, he was just real funny and people loved him. Um, but, you know, after I had this experience, this out-of-body experience, you know, my view of life and living could never be the same. And I, I had this compulsion uh, after having had this, to read all about spiritual matters, you know, and I've read, I don't, I can't even tell you how many books I've read since 1983 that deal with spirituality. And um, again, you know, it was like, I just never wanted to read fiction again. And, um, but, you know, I also kind of gravitated away from what I would call uh, religion per se. You know, I wanted a I, I went to church, but I started going to Unity Church uh, because they were more focused on the spirituality sense of everything. Um, and I had been, you know, I, I had been brought up in the Baptist church, but I just couldn't do that anymore. I mean, nothing against the, the Baptist church, but for me personally, that's where my consciousness was, was in terms of the spirituality of living. And I have no fear of death. I had an increase of precognitive dreams and um, knowing, developing in intuition. I mean, as time has gone on, that's all grown. You know, there's been a lot of other things that have been added to that list. Um, you know, and I can read people's auras and, you know, just that feeling of being connected to a, a greater sense of what life is all about. And you know, I finally reached a point, uh, like I said, just I finally decided after I retired that, you know, it was time to share this story, this, this lifelong story. And uh, at that point, it's like, you know, I don't care what people think about me. I've been a businesswoman all my life. If people don't know who I am, well, that's their issue. But this is what's happened to me. This is who I am. And so for me, writing my book enabled me to become a more an authentic person i will say that now i was whole out in front of everybody you know i wasn't keeping this other side of me hidden in terms of what i had developed and what i know and all, all that sort of thing was and there any more verbal communication from him than the time driving no, um, everything is pretty much still, he does things. And, uh, you know, even here in my personal office, um, I've had things happen even, even now. It doesn't happen all the time. It's just here and there. But one day I was sitting here in my office and sitting here at my computer. It was real quiet in here. And all of a sudden... Uh, from this top shelf, I've got two bookcases in here. I had this little card propped up there. And, you know, I have all kinds of stuff in my bookcase. But um, all of a sudden, this card that I had propped up on there 
it went flying across the room. <laughs> I mean, not just falling off down to the floor. I mean, it flew across the room and it scared me. I jumped like a foot out of my chair and I got up and I, and I pointed over there at the bookcase and I said, Donnie, cut it out. <laughs> you know, I was sure he was standing there laughing or something. But um, that you dream know, I, you had before he passed mm -hmm. and it's like the end of the world, like Jesus was coming. Do you think you would have that same anxiety if that played out today, knowing that what you've experienced? You you know, mean, Jesus is in the sky. Jesus is coming. It's the end of the world. It's going to be like, yes, instead of the anxiety that you had before. Oh, yeah, I think so, <laughs> for sure. I mean, um, at the time I had that dream, you know, I had no concept of any of this stuff that, that happened to me. And how it feels to experience the oneness of the universe with everything. I mean, I could have never in a million years just imagined that. It's, um, it just wasn't in my realm of thinking. You know, this out-of-body experience into infinity with my brother completely changed my consciousness because of the just sheer expansion of knowledge of how things are i guess in, in the universe i wonder and, if it's possible that you experienced a spiritual death like i did because i was about to be raped a spiritual death that brings us just like a near-death experiences that takes us to another realm if there is such thing you know i don't know i don't study you know spirituality like you may so i don't know if there's a word out there like that or it means that but that makes me think of like a spiritual, like you're driving and you're so upset and this spiritual death. And then suddenly you were, your spirit was gone. You're, you know, it's like you were separated from your body because I think we can have something so traumatic that we just can't have, you know, like um, they say somebody's about to be um, in a plane crash and before it crashes, before they're physically harmed, they just leave. Yes. And so... Well, I, you know, I feel like that this experience, I mean, it was a complete transformation of my consciousness. You know, I could have never on my own without this, this experience, uh, I could have never imagined how all of this could be. And so for me, you know, this was a, uh, transformation totally of my consciousness and that impacted everything. I mean, in the blink of an eye, having this experience and returning to the truck, you know, that I was driving, I was never the same as I had been before. It was like I crossed this line into a whole other world of understanding and, um, this oneness and just completely opening up that whole whole thing and um and i i love that i've been able to have that and i love the fact that even though i know my brother you know is where he needs to be in the spirit world and and he's safe and all that i love that he still on occasion comes back to visit me and he always does something to where I know he's been there. 
like I said, even this day in my my office, you know, I'm sitting here and and I know he's there because this card flies across the room. And again, I know he was probably standing there laughing because honestly, I did jump a foot out of my chair. And, and how blessed he was is to have such love. Yeah, you know, and some he, people could spend a lifetime and never have that. You know, I have three brothers and I guarantee you they would not shed a tear if they heard your sister just died. Mom. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm sure it wouldn't be that way, you know. Yeah, but, it would. Uh, <laughs> it would. <laughs> but, you know, it's true. I mean, my brother was... Um, he was just so well loved. He had lots of friends, like I said, and he was just a great guy. And, um, and that just made it all, you know, the more sad for all of us who were left behind, because it's not like he was a mean guy or, you know, his, his life was off track or, you know, anything like that. I mean, uh, and so the, the loss of who he was uh, here on earth with us was just left this gaping hole in in just loving and being and experiencing life and he um, was your baby brother he was my baby right. brother and I do as I said I have a sister who's uh, 10 years younger um, you know but it's that's such a, a huge gap between us not that we don't get along we do but, you know, I'm just saying that all these childhood things uh, growing up, because there was only four years difference between my brother and I. And, you know, I was always made to, as I said, you know, my mother would say, now, you, you know, look out for your brother and uh, all that. So I already had from little on this built in sense of being responsible for him in some at some level. And that's how I felt when I found out he had died in this crash. I mean, I felt like the first thing that came to my mind in this grief-filled state was, why wasn't I there to protect him? That is what came to my mind. I felt that responsibility. And of course, that was a, a silly thing to think of because he was a grown man and everything. But um, but I did think of that. I you were, that. you know, yeah, I have a brother that was born when I was 14 and I didn't know until years later, everybody thought he was actually mine. I didn't oh know that. God. Like, you think I had a kid that young, but <laughs> I don't think he got my period, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, yeah he so. was like my baby. My mom just like take care of him. And I took him everywhere I went. And, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, well, I had him when he was young, yeah, I would have been the same way. Yeah. Well, and in my book that I wrote about this whole thing, you know, I recount some of these crazy uh, childhood escapades that he and I had together. And, you know, that brought me a lot of joy as I was writing the book, recounting those times with him and, and really realizing um, just how close of a relationship we had even though we fought like cats and dogs <laughs> most of the time, not all the time, but, uh, you know, just that's how it is when you're kids. But, um, you know, it's, it's taken me a lot of years uh, to be able to 
to reach this state of of where I am about his death, uh, because in the beginning, for years, it was just this gaping hole in our all of our family's heart, and this this terrible sadness. Even even though I had that experience uh, with him, um, you know, in in 1983, and um, but as the years have gone on, and and really, I think writing my book was was also a good thing to do because I felt like in the end I could reach out to people and hopefully help others in their grief. Mm -hmm. And so in the end, for me, it's, it's like coming full circle. Here I am. I, I, I would like to help others who, who have to go through that. I think when people go through a loss, um, it feels like we are, hurt by love like love's supposed to be a good thing and now it is something that is the most tremendous pain you can imagine and it's yes. like um you've been misled it's like you question everything like yes. how can something hurt so fit um emotionally bad and you're physically fine how can this i mean for me it was uh a, a breakup at 16 I was engaged and my parents suddenly decided well you're not seeing me anymore and he might I might as well you know lost you know a loved one because I put so much into that that love was everything it's the only thing the only love I had and then to finally have love and then it be taken away and I was so you know like love hurts you know like that song and all those kinds of songs out there that just and I was suicidal you know I would mm -hmm. lay in the tub and hold a razor blade it's like come on chicken you don't have the courage you know I would try you know take some pills wake up next morning you know so the the um betrayal of love yeah you know yeah and just like you know I said I mean after after immediately after my brother's death I, I just wanted to die I I just I didn't care anything about living because I just couldn't handle this complete loss of love, as you say. And in its place, there is nothing there now. And, you know, and we there's do no words alone. to describe that. Yeah. Who, where no do you go? Yeah. Where, and where, how do you know how to cope? Where do you go? You mean you there's can't no go to replacing someone like that. You yeah. can't replace. I don't care how many friends you have, how many friends you love. You know, there's lots of people I love in this life, uh, longtime friends, but there's nothing, nothing that fills that space. The ever. only thing, if anybody's going through something, and I wish they would make big billboards everywhere to say it, is art. One day I stepped out on the porch one morning, it was still dark out and all of a sudden a voice come to me and said, cause I was thinking, just thinking about stuff. And it said to me, God does not give us, I don't remember the exact words now, like such pain without a rescue. And the rescue is in art, is in creativity. Because that's what I did after I lost my twins at 25 and had my NDE. I started drawing house plans. And I would just get lost. I would start in the morning and it would stop, you know, I had to stop and make supper. 
And I would just draw because I got into this other realm. It was yes. not here because I couldn't deal with this. I was supposed to bring my twins home, one in each arm in December. And here it is spring, you know, yeah. here it is summer. And I'm not going to have that. And I could not wrap my head around it. And I yeah. had three little boys at home. I need to be happy because I got three little boys at home, you know, yeah. and, and you're, but Jen, you're mourning too. And so I went in this creativity space and as years went on, I was realizing every time I got really depressed about something, I was drawing house plans again. And I, it just made time go like that. Like where'd time go? Like 10 yeah. hours just went by, you know, uh, where did it go? I was so into it. And I think sometimes like a bandaid things, just leave it alone because it needs to heal, just cover it. And I think maybe art is like that. And, you know, somebody else, it might be music or, you know, painting or sculptures, but whatever art gets you into a zone. I keep looking at that, your background, and I'm thinking of being in the night sky, and I'm thinking whatever gets you there, you know, and you say you have these techniques that helps people. And in my mind, I'm thinking that gets them right there. That gets them in this other realm yeah, where we can put everything else to the side for a while and heal and feel what's on the other side because there comes knowledge, there comes answers, there comes yeah. intuition and te telepathic communication. There's, I'm sure that's what you're talking about. Your techniques is to get into that space. And, yeah. and it's hard to know how to get into that space if you've never been in it. Yeah. And like Amen. you're saying, if this hasn't happened to you, you're not going to know what I'm talking about. Right. Right. It's, uh, it's not something that's easily imagined. Uh, yes, you can hear the story and know what happened, but the the loss uh, of that person in your life, there's just no, if you haven't ever had that happen, there's no way you can fathom or grasp uh, the depth of sorrow and, and you know, that sense of, you know, this line has been crossed in your life. You've crossed a line, that person's gone, and you can never get back on the other side of that line. Once you've stepped over the line and they're gone, uh, you, you never can have that with them again. All these funny things that happened, all this joy, uh, you never get back into that space with that person because they're not there anymore. And like and, with a child or, you know, your brother was young, you think of, they were supposed to do this. They were supposed to do that. They were supposed to, and it's not going to happen. And that's so yeah, hard. Exactly. So, so I but, love that you have a technique because what do people do? You know, yeah. damn, this happened. What are yeah. you going to do now? You have yeah. actually, and so many people are, are on drugs, return to alcohol, turn to suicide, oh, yeah. violence, well, hate, you know, we got a lot of options here. Yeah, well, and I, I have to admit, um, you know, after, now, you know, I, I would go and have drinks with people uh, before my brother died, but after my brother's death, um, you know, I just, it felt like I drank all the time. I just wanted to be numb to the situation. 
and um, that's a bad place to be in in your life when you're just you just want to be numb. You just don't want to have to think. You just you just want the alcohol to take that that terribleness away from you. Uh, but eventually, after a couple of years of behavior like that, and of course, I was still working and everything, but I just finally one day said, you know what? I can't do this anymore. You know, my brother is gone. Of course, this is a couple of years down the line, too. My brother's gone, and there's nothing I can do that's ever going to change that. And in the meantime, I have a life that I have to live. I'm still here. And that's really what it took. Just one day, I, I said that to myself, this whole thing. And after that, you know, I, I mean, I still have social drinks here and there, but it was not like what I had been doing. And I just said, I have to get back to living my life here. That's what happened. That's I used to be a drug counselor. And they're just not healing. They're taking a drug. And they're conscious again, awake again, and dealing with it. And they don't want to deal with it. Take the drug again. You know, it's just a cycle, just a cycle. They're not right. moving through moving through that pain. And you've got, you don't, nobody wants to feel the pain. And you're, you've got to. Just like if yeah. you just stubbed your toe, you got to wait till that pain stops. <laughs> yeah. It's going to yeah. hurt for a while. And you got to sit here and wait knowing that it will stop. But. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody promised. Uh, what's that song about? Uh, rose garden. <laughs> Didn't promise you a rose garden. <laughs> it's gonna yeah. well, the sunshine. There's gonna be a little rain. You know, and gonna be a hell of a lot of thorns too. It takes yeah. a lot to be able to finally um, move beyond that level of pain that you've been experiencing. But you know, once you start taking the steps that way. Um, you know, I knew I was going to make it. I was going to be okay. And but, people don't know how to say, I need help with this. I don't know what to do with this. Where do I go? Um, when my mother-in-law passed, you know, she was in hospice and they sent us some information for people's grieving. But the everyday person, you know, who's not in hospice, you know, yeah. you, like you, there's well, an accident, it's done. What? I've never had to do yeah. this before. So, and not everybody has family and friends. Well, and I think back on, it probably would have been wise for our family to have some kind of counseling, but um, no one in my family really thinks that way. And, uh, and at the time it was just, it just had obliterated our world. And, you know, you just, you just reach out for whatever can seem to sustain you. And certainly friends uh, were helpful uh, by my side, but, um, and my sister and my mom and dad, but you know, the family part of it, we were just so fractured, you know, who had anything to give to the other family member. We didn't, you know, we were all suffering. Um, but yeah, yeah my, my yeah. thoughts would be to people that, um, you know, if you're open to counseling, that's a good thing. If you can't deal with it at that point, just give yourself some time and, uh, and know that at some point you do come out of it. You reach a state where 
at least for me, I just said, well, you know, I'm still here. My brother's not. There's nothing I can do about that other than I need to get back to living my own life while I'm still here. That's all I can do. That's the only choice I have, unless I want to kill myself. And I didn't believe that that was the answer. Um, I don't think that's the answer for anyone. Right. I think we come here in this life to experience these different emotions and to deal with things and figure things out and look to our higher consciousness, our higher selves uh, to, to learn and grow from it. You talked about, you know, nobody knows what it's like unless they experienced it. I have a unique perspective when you talk about your brother, because when I drowned, when I was five, I was a ghost and I went here, I went there. I was telepathic talking to these boys walking along the highway. I was playing with these kids in, in a corner lot, playing ball, went in and out of houses. So I know what it's like, just a snippet to be what your brother is now. Yeah. to be on the other side, trying to communicate and experiencing it. And when I come back from the drowning and my family went back up to the house, I sit there alone on the road and I had all this knowledge of what it's like on the other side. And I was given the knowledge. My family didn't love me. And I didn't know that prior to this at five years old. And, and, and so they just went up the house and left me because they really didn't care. I was dead. You know, now I'm staying there alive and I'm sick. And so I have this knowledge and I'm thinking, I got a choice. I can go up to the house. Family doesn't love me. Or I could go back to that pond. I know it really hurts, but I choose that because I was flying. I was doing stuff and I'm going to do more of that. I was going to do more things. And so the other side, I mean, if people could see it, which we can't, but if you listen to stories like this and have where someone's had the connection, they've seen something, heard something, talked to someone, just a tiniest little glimpse and what it's like to be what your background is, you know, into yeah. that other side in that space, because there's so much going on there. There's yeah. so much chatter. There's so much life. There's so much laughter and we can't see it. And we, and then it comes down to faith. I mean, you can yeah. have faith that's going on and faith. These people are telling the truth. They did experience something. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be fakes. There's going to be people exaggerate. I'm sure there's going to be, those things, but just listen critically, make up your own mind and see if something connects with you, you know, as you're yeah. talking or as I'm talking to other guests and something will click. I know what that is. I know what that's like. And yeah. so, but yeah, I, I applaud you for actually passing out some techniques uh, for something people can actually do other than listen, be entertained and walk away. Yeah. Because to me, it's not entertainment. You know, a lot yeah. of people watch these for entertainment. Oh, that's a good story. And, and it, they don't let it in. Yeah. They don't realize. Yeah. Well, it's meant to share this, this greater awareness that is there. And um, it's hard to imagine the greater awareness if you haven't had this kind of experience. Because it's just in the realm of our brain. I don't think it, it's just not there. I mean, once you have had it out of body when you're just consciousness um then you know you never go back to thinking of yourself as just this thinking person you you're always thinking of yourself as this greater part of this universe and that you know and we can still access that um you can probably learn to access that but uh it's 
that realization of what you know you're kind of going to be going to uh, also provides some comforting sense that, hey, wow, this is going to be such a greater experience, you know, uh, just like I said, I told my brother, you know, I wanted to go on. I didn't want to go back to being this um, limited human being. I wanted to be this unlimited, all-knowing consciousness that I was because it was love. It was love-based and everything else that came with it was just, you know, on top of that. So. And I understand you keeping that to yourself because it's almost like our sacred secret. And if we tell people, they'll tell us we're craziness and that, and they're going to taint it. So if you just keep it to yourself and keep it precious and rely back on it when you need to, nobody can hurt it. Nobody can take it away from you. And it seems <laughs> like it's almost like, you know, we're pregnant with it. We're waiting for ourselves to develop, to catch up to where we can understand it and speak about it because until we're ready, you know, and then back then too, there was no words, there was no terms, OBE and NDE and after death communication. Oh, right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's an excellent point about that. Yeah. Um, because you know, you have a different understanding of things than most people around you. And uh, so you just, you just keep that <laughs> to yourself, like you say, most of the time, because yep. there aren't any words to describe, really. So you just move forward with your own life and realize other people are living their lives probably the best that they can. Yeah. I had somebody ask me before, I think it was on Jeff Mara, you know, like, should people tell, you know, like right away? And I said, maybe not. Maybe not yeah. right away. You know, you might have a career that it would ruin your reputation if you talked crazy um and maybe and it those, are, those are things that i thought about through the years you know uh because i did have a very long uh, career and i was in some uh higher positions and um um you know i was just more concerned with uh my career and enjoying that uh because i really did enjoy it and you know just the rest was what I pretty much kept to myself and just understand, just knowing my understanding was different than probably a lot of people's. <laughs> yeah. And if you talk like that, I mean, is somebody going to lose custody of their children? You know, if they're foster parents, are they going to, you know, well, you need some mental health help before, you know, or, you know, like I was an investigator in children's services and that I can't talk like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a time and a place. I can't say I saw a ghost. <laughs> yeah. Uh -uh. Uh, <laughs> and I live in Southeast Ohio, where, you know, oh my gosh, that lady that nobody talked to her. She's got, she's way out there. And I have a sister that's mentally ill. So everybody's always like, you know, she going to be like her sister. So, uh, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, people do, they do, if it's okay to hold it in and keep it to yourself if you need to. I think so. Yeah. So I appreciate you coming on and it's been well, fun. It's been yeah. interesting and Thank very you insightful. So much again. Yeah. Do you want to tell again about your website or anything? Sure. Um, yeah, because there's, like I said, there's a blog there. You can uh, see a lot of different things there, but um, if you just type in, you know, www.paulalens.com, 
that's l-e-n-z like zebra author.com it's all one one word uh then that will take you to my website and okay. uh, the front page uh has a, a picture of the book and it tells you know it gives you a synopsis of the book kind of what it's all about and um and you know the front page even you can click if you're interested in buying it or whatever but but then you know i do have the blog and there's other information there so and the techniques will be on that website too yes there's a i did a little 45 minute video it's it's actually it was done as in a powerpoint and then i turned it into a video so i give some additional information about consciousness and what that means and and explore some other aspects and then I, you know, run you, within that it runs the video, this minute and 15 second video of the of the visualization uh, to use. And I think then then I have it again at the end. Um, but it's free. You just click on that on the on the website, the blog, and or it, the other thing you can do is just if you're if you put it in a search, you can put meld into spirit technique and it will bring it up the, the direct uh, video. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Thank, Thank you, very you much. so much.